It will probably, unfortunately, get worse before it gets better. Something I don't like saying about things, but that's the way it is. Really? Because it sort of seems like you're the one who wants it to get worse before it gets better, sir. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, in Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, in Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, in Janesville, Wisconsin on WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet on the Progressive Voices Channel. Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us. Desi Doyen, as that music was playing, we have some breaking news. <laughs> Haven't even started the show yet. And already. Don't know if you saw this. Uh, literally, as the music was playing, so I'm reading this off my iPhone here. NBC News was first out of the gate with it. Breaking Trump cancels in-person Republican convention in Jacksonville, Florida. Really? Yep. AP says President Trump calls off GOP national convention events in Florida, citing, quote, flare-up of coronavirus, smaller gathering of delegates in North Carolina. What? Still on, says AP. The (laughs) magical thinking continues. That's that's all that we know. Of course, that was the Republican convention that was scheduled for Charlotte, North Carolina. Donald Trump got mad at the uh, uh, Democratic governor of North Carolina because he wouldn't allow a shoulder-to-shoulder maskless death fest for the uh, Republican National Convention this year in Charlotte. So he moved it down to Jacksonville, Florida. And then, of course... You have an idiot uh, Republican governor down there who had opened up the state for business, bringing on the horrific surge we are now seeing in cases and hospitalizations and deaths in the state of Florida, particularly, by the way, in Jacksonville, which has been hard hit. That's where the uh, RNC was rescheduled to take place, (laughs) (laughs) where that apparently has now been canceled and moved back to North Carolina for smaller meetings of delegates. Well, are they going to follow the rules that North Carolina has asked them to follow? I have no idea, but I'm presuming from what AP says in that headline that uh, because it'll be smaller gatherings that maybe that will be allowed. 
Sorry, Mr. Trump, you really shouldn't have uh, gone full denial on the coronavirus, which uh, I have seen some call the Trump virus today. You really shouldn't have gone full denial on that earlier, sir. You might have had your convention after all, but it, like so much else, hopefully including your presidency, is now lost. But we will see. In any event, uh, I think it was a a few weeks ago, as we were about 200 days uh, out from the inauguration day on January 20 next year, that I had warned that, well, we all need to buckle up for what the next several months until the election and then most likely after the election was likely to bring. That breaking news just now is merely a part of it. Today is one of those days when I I want to remind you to keep your seatbelts fastened (laughs) until the Trump-invoked chaos comes to a complete and total stop, if it ever does. We will get through what we can today, and we will pick up the rest as the chaos continues. But uh, yes, we should all stay buckled up here, as Trump said on Wednesday at his first coronavirus press conference in months. As you heard there at the top, it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think he was uh, supposedly talking about uh, COVID-19 there, but uh, you know that would be a very uh, generously narrow way to look at it at this point. So let's start here, since it's actually a bit of good news on a certain level today. A judge ordered the release from prison of Donald Trump's former personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, on Thursday, saying the government unlawfully retaliated against him for planning to release a book critical of Donald Trump before the November election. Michael Cohen's First Amendment rights were violated when he was ordered back to prison on July 9 after probation authorities said that he refused to sign a form banning him from publishing the book or communicating publicly in other manners. U.S. District Judge Alvin Hellerstein said during a telephone conference. So, yeah, in order to stay out of prison after his earlier uh, conditioned uh, furlough due to the coronavirus, Michael Cohen was actually called back in and ordered by the Bureau of Prisons to sign a document saying that he would not write a book or speak to the media while he was out of prison on uh, home detainment or whatever they call it. He, he uh, refused to sign that portion of the agreement, so he was locked back up on completely unconstitutional grounds. It is not even a close call. As Judge Hellerstein found, ordering Cohn to be released from prison back to home confinement by 2 o'clock on Friday. And, you know, remember, the Bureau of Prisons is controlled by Attorney General Barr. Oh, yes. And he is totally aware and completely understanding that that was completely unconstitutional. Of course. Did it anyway. Yep. Hellerstein asked prosecutors who insisted in court papers again and again on Thursday that probation department officers did not know about the book when they wrote this provision of home confinement that severely restricted Cohn's uh, public communications. Judge Hellerstein asked the prosecutors, how can I take any other inference that it's retaliatory? He said, I've never seen such a clause in 21 years of being a judge and sentencing people and looking at terms of supervised release. Why would the Bureau of Prisons ask for something like this unless there was a retaliatory purpose? 
asked the judge. In ruling, Hellerstein said he made the, quote, uh, finding that the purpose of transferring Mr. Cohen from furlough and home confinement back to jail is retaliatory, adding, and it's retaliatory for his desire to exercise his First Amendment rights to publish the book. Well, that book, which probably would have sold well anyway, is really going to sell well now. Once again, well done, Mr. Trump. Thanks, dumbasses at uh, Trump's DOJ and, and Bureau of Prisons. Cohn sued federal prison officials and Attorney General Bill Barr on Monday, saying he was ordered back to prison because he was writing a book titled, quote, Disloyal, the true story of Michael Cohen, former personal attorney to President Donald J. Trump. In a written declaration, Cohn said his book will, quote, provide graphic and unflattering details about the president's behavior behind closed doors, including a description of anti-Semitic and, quote, virulently racist remarks against black leaders, including President Barack Obama and Nelson Mandela, South Africa's first black president. <laughs> sure, why not attack him as well? I suspect we will soon find out that Donald Trump once punched Gandhi in the face. <laughs> and I don't even want to talk about what he did to Mother Teresa. <laughs> Cohn said he worked openly on his manuscript until May at the Otisville Prison Library and discussed his book with prison officials, which, you know, he is allowed to write. We still do have a constitution which still has a First Amendment for free speech in it. I know Donald Trump is concerned about the other part of the free speech, the religion part, the freedom of religion part. At least he pretends to be concerned about that. But I guess he hasn't read the other part of it, the first part about the freedom of speech. Cohn said he was told in April that a lawyer lawyer for the Trump organization where he worked for a decade was claiming he was barred from publishing his book by a non-disclosure agreement, which Cohen disputes. Cohen has been in isolation. Yes, solitary confinement at the uh, Otisville, New York prison camp, supposedly quarantined while, in, uh, while prison authorities ensure he does not have the coronavirus. His attorney, in a statement, said the uh, said that the judge's orders order was, quote, a victory for the First Amendment and showed that the government cannot block a book critical of the president as a condition of release to home confinement. This principle transcends politics and we are gratified that the rule of law prevails, she said. Well, the rule of law prevails a little bit for now anyway. He was released, Cohn was, back in May, along with other prisoners, as authorities tried to slow the spread of the COVID-19 disease in federal prisons. He was one year into a three-year pr uh, prison sentence after pleading guilty to campaign finance charges and lying to Congress, among other crimes. But unlike Donald Trump's pal Roger Stone, who also lied to Congress, Trump has not granted clemency to Michael Cohen for some reason. Perhaps because Cohen actually told prosecutors what he knew while Stone has still refused to. So to thank him for that cover up, the president of the United States granted Stone clemency. So he did not have to serve even one day of his three year sentence. 
So what did uh, Cohn know that he did talk about? Well, among other things, that Trump directed the conspiracy to pay hush money to porn star Stormy Daniels and model Karen McDougal to try to shut them up before uh, just before the election about the affairs that Donald Trump had uh, ha- allegedly had had with each of them. That money that was paid to them was not reported, however, as a campaign expense when it should have been. And prosecutors stated in their plea agreement with Cohen that, yes, Donald Trump directed. These are federal prosecutors saying that Donald Trump directed that unlawful campaign finance conspiracy that Michael Cohen was going to jail for three years for. But for which the president who directed that conspiracy that criminal conspiracy has to this day faced no consequences for. I hope people are, are reminded of that when uh, they, they uh, report this Michael Cohn story out today. Uh, I hope and, and frankly expect that there will someday be a reckoning for the president for that, hopefully as soon as Trump is out of office, but we will see. Whether Trump is thrown into solitary confinement at that point That's a separate question, but he may want to head into quarantine today as the walls uh, and the coronavirus continue to close in on him. CNN's White House correspondent Caitlin Collins tweeted out last night, not long after we got off air, quote, White House staff just got an email that says there is, quote, no reason for panic or alarm. What a great way to start an email. (laughs) And of course, whenever anybody says, you know, there's no reason (laughs) for panic or alarm, You know, there is reason for panic and alarm, she said. But the uh, cafeterias in the two buildings next to the White House, the executive office building and the new executive office building are closed because a staffer tested positive for COVID-19. Yes, two cafeterias used by White House staff were closed and contact tracing was conducted after an employee tested positive for the coronavirus a uh, Trump administration official said on Wednesday night. Now, the first thing that occurred to me was, A, uh, how nice that cafeteria workers at the White House get tested frequently enough to discover that they have the coronavirus, and B, how nice it is that contact tracing is in place and ready to go in such a case, because it ain't for the rest of the country, only for where Donald Trump lives and works, apparently. And see, oh, look, one person got COVID and they have to shut the entire business down. Funny how that works. But everyone else, well, open your business, goddammit. No, no expanded unemployment. Because, you know, that just rewards people who don't want to go into a hot zone without regular testing or contact tracing or even willing to, uh, you know, shut down when a covid case is when one case is discovered among employees, unlike the White House cafeterias. The New York Times reports that the cafeterias are both a part of the White House uh, complex and are next to the West Wing. But as uh, White House staffers were told, No reason for panic or alarm. It was not immediately clear whether the employees who tested positive for the virus, the the one employee apparently, uh, whether that was a cafeteria worker or not. All we know is staffer. Was it a White House staffer? Was it? uh, We don't know. The White House did not specify what symptoms of the virus that the employee had displayed, according to the Times. 
The White House reportedly also told employees in an email that they did not need to self-quarantine, according to the official. So were they hoping to keep this a secret? Despite the number of people, including the press, that work at the White House complex each day? Staff members were advised to monitor for symptoms of the virus and told to stay home if they felt sick. According to that unnamed official, it was not clear how long the facility will now remain closed, although some staffers were told it could stay shut for two weeks, according to NBC. The news comes just hours after President Trump spoke at the White House daily briefing on the pandemic, which his administration resumed this week after a months-long hiatus, because, you know, there was not much to discuss during those months. Trump and uh, members of his administration are regularly tested for the coronavirus. Trump said early on in this uh, crisis, as you'll recall, anyone who wants a test can get a test. But apparently that's as long as they work in the White House. It was not immediately clear what testing protocols were in place for employees in the executive office buildings in the complex, according to The Times. After months of refusing to urge Americans to wear masks, however, Trump finally made the much-belated call to do so this week. This week. Sort of. 18, sort of. 18 weeks into this. And hundred and. 245,000, wherever we are, uh, dead Americans later. He also acknowledged, uh, finally, at the briefing that the pandemic is likely to get worse before it gets better. So it takes him a while, but eventually reality catches up. After a couple of months and 100,000 deaths, yeah. Well, we are seeing a lot of reality uh, beginning to catch up with Trump and his Republicans today. Slowly, but it's catching up. Down in Florida, where I've been uh, beating the hell out of Florida's Trump sycophant governor, Ron DeSantis, for denying for months the dangers of the COVID virus and the enormous surge taking place in his state. And uh, by the way, people are asking me, what's going on with California? It has more cases than anywhere in the country. That is true. We also have more people than anywhere, any other state in the country. But by if you make an apples to apples uh, comparison, a measure of cases and hospitalizations and deaths per capita, Florida is one of many states most led by Trump-loving GOP governors, where the per capita cases are much worse, still much worse than they are out here in California, which, by the way, is not doing great. But better than those other states, despite the misleading headlines that you may be seeing, at least if you want to go by something a legitimately comparable state to state. Anyway, even uh, the denier DeSantis, who uh, amid skyrocketing hospitalizations and deaths in his state per capita, uh, which have resulted now in no ICU space left for more than 50 hospitals across the state. He had been insisting with all of that that schools reopen next month for in-person classes five days a week in the state. Well, finally, as reality begins to catch up, even DeSantis is now backing off of that today, finally, a little bit, according to the Washington Post. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on Thursday continued to make the case for students to return to the classrooms in the fall, despite the state's teachers union suing over the order forcing schools to reopen. 
During an appearance on Fox and Friends, naturally, the governor said that school children are, quote, by far at the least risk for the coronavirus. Well, maybe, but they also happen to have parents and grandparents. And they are not taught at school by other children, but rather, as it turns out, by adults who are the most susceptible to the worst effects of the virus. And yet, said uh, DeSantis on Thursday on Fox News, uh, and yet they've uh, really been asked to shoulder the brunt of our control measures, he said, echoing, parroting comments from Donald Trump who said on Wednesday that he would be comfortable sending his school-aged son and grandchildren back to school. I wonder if Melania would agree. Has anybody asked her yet? (laughs) Well, as far as I know, I've also read that Barron Trump's school is not holding in-person classes. Huh. I wonder if uh, Donald Trump will punish them for that, withhold any kind of money. Oh, what? It's a private school? Oh, never mind. DeSantis, however, appeared uh, to back off of his uh, earlier militancy a little bit, insisting that all kids go, you know, when he was insisting all kids go back to class. But on Thursday, he said, quote, evidence based decisions would be for parents to have the option of in-class instruction for their children. He said uh, those who are not comfortable with sending their children back to school, they can continue distance learning. So there you go. He said, we want to do what parents want, but we have a lot of parents that think their kids will fall behind if they're not able to get back inside the classroom. Yes, and as we reported yesterday on the broadcast, AP has a new poll out that finds there are a lot more parents who, while perhaps concerned about their children falling behind, nonetheless do not want to send their kids back to death trap classrooms. In fact, just 8% of those polled, 8% of those polled said that they uh, wanted schools opened as normal, as DeSantis and Trump had been pushing. Then again, Trump and DeSantis had also been pushing for their Republican convention in Jacksonville, which apparently has now been canceled. So, uh, yes, DeSantis is now softening as reality catches up with him. He wants the option, just the option for parents to have that if they want it. Do the teachers, by the way, have that option? Apparently not. Which is why DeSantis is being sued by the Florida's teachers, uh, Florida Teachers Union. But hey, a bit of reality is encroaching on Governor DeGenius down in Florida. So is that uh, is that something? Is that good? Is that good news? Hey, I it's don't an know. improvement. We'll Even it. a slight improvement is still an improvement if it means we'll somebody doesn't die. Sadly, CNN reports that a nine-year-old girl from Putnam County in Florida is the youngest person to have died in Florida mm. from coronavirus complications. Um, the uh, health department says that her death, the nine-year-old's death, is not a travel-related case, and the child did not have close contact with anyone who recently tested positive hmm. for COVID-19. And uh, Putnam County Health Officer Mary Garcia said she was unaware of any underlying medical conditions in the nine-year-old girl's case. She is the fifth child. <sighs> child in Florida to die from COVID-19. And I wonder if that had uh, I wonder if that has anything to do with uh, DeSantis backing off of his uh, command that schools reopen next month in full five days a week or that Trump was forced now to cancel his uh, his convention there.
Meanwhile, more reality is biting Republicans in Congress today as new jobless numbers come out, once again finding that things are very, very bad. And they damn well better do something about it in Congress and quickly before expanded unemployment runs out this week. A deadline which, by the way, they have known for months. And yet they have made no plans for it until this week when the Republicans are all eating themselves alive, fighting over what to do about it. But the uh, number of new unemployment claims rose to 1.4 million. According to Washington Post, a troubling sign for the labor market that's weathering a new round of closures as the pandemic spreads. For the week ending July 18, about 109,000 more jobless claims were filed compared to the week prior, according to the Department of Labor. What you're seeing is that as the economy slows, the pace of claims picks back up, which really puts at risk the monthly jobs report over the next few months said uh, economist Joseph Brusuelas. The July numbers are going to be tenuous, he said, but it's August that I'm worried about. Well, now, if you've heard the report on uh, Thursday's job uh, jobless numbers, you probably heard that they went up for the first time in weeks, as they did over the previous week. But this is uh, really misreporting the matter. I've seen, I don't know how many reports I've seen and read on this, that, oh, it's it's now ticking back up. You know, I've, I've seen this for the last uh, 10 weeks, in fact, this sort of misreporting, where each week they report these numbers of more than a million new claims of unemployment each and every week. They've been reporting them for the last 10 weeks or so as good news because the number was fewer than the week before. And they keep reporting unemployment is coming down, but not really. These are new jobless claims. New people, newly out of work each week. And in each of the past 18 weeks, we have had well over a million new unemployment claims each of those weeks. In the first month or two of this crisis, the numbers were like five and six million each week. But when they tell you that, you know, 1.2 million or 1.4 million is somehow good because it's coming down from the week before, what they forget to tell you is that we have never, never had even 1 million new jobless claims in a single week since this number has uh, been tracked going back to the 1950s. Before the coronavirus hit, the record for weekly unemployment claims was about 695,000. Now, it's been well over a million each and every week for the past 18 weeks. Now, we often try to find, you know, whatever bright spot we can in the news. But come on, people. This is, uh, you know, unheard of. This is we've not seen anything like this, certainly not since the Great Depression. That it's ticking back up even higher now, of course, is no surprise, given the surging virus all over the country because we opened, reopened way too early. Moreover, in addition to the 1.4 million newly seeking unemployment uh, nationwide last week, there's another 980,000 new pandemic assistance uh, claims that were filed. The Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program, that's a separate uh, program from the usual unemployment numbers, which only covered salaried workers. 
The pandemic unemployment assistance was put in place by Congress to give benefits to self-employed and gig workers who have also been slammed by this ongoing and working uh, worsening disaster. So it's not really, you know, 1.4 million new claims last week. It's more like one and a half million new claims last week, already beating the pre-coronavirus record and continuing to do so for a 18 unabated weeks. And to make matters worse, sorry, the numbers come as millions of unemployed workers are about to exhaust stimulus payments from the two federal benefits programs that uh, whose expiration economists have warned could have a dire effect on the economy. So as bad as things are, Donald Trump was right. They're going to get worse before they get better. Yes, including in the economy. The economist Bruce uh, Bruce Suelas said uh, that the numbers are a sign that the burst of economic activity that marked the country's reopening has waned and that shrinking consumer demand remained a significant risk for businesses and workers that they employ. The extra $600 a week in unemployment benefits that the federal government has offered to supplement more modest state unemployment benefits, that ends this week. And lawmakers currently have no plans for it. I should say Republican lawmakers have no plan for it. Weeks ago, the uh, Democrats in the U.S. House passed a $3 trillion deal that continued and extended these unemployment, these extra unemployment benefits that frankly have kept this uh, economy afloat for these past 18 months. If you think it's bad now, You don't want to imagine how bad it would be without uh, some of these, whether it's the $600 extra a month in unemployment, whether it's the Paycheck Protection Program, the PPP and so forth. But Republicans haven't been doing a damn thing about it. And so they are wrangling now over what legislation they must put in place yesterday to keep this going including the new benefits available to gig workers and the self uh, self-employed more than 53 million applications have now been filed for some form of unemployment insurance during the pandemic 53 million as trump said yesterday uh, that the reopening in the us has been a uh, tremendous success catastrophic <laughs> success i believe is the way we can... he should have put it that yeah. way i don't know if he did but yeah great success 53 million out of work. Well, the squabbling uh, in Congress over how to extend these relief measures, it looks like, uh, will be continuing in Congress for a while. Uh, For the past three days, the Republicans have been beating the crap out of each other to even come up with a proposal that they could agree on. And, uh, you know, that was just the Republicans, by the way, in the Senate and the White House. The House Republicans have yet to ring in on any of this. And the Democrats who passed that $3 trillion relief package called the HEROES Act about a month ago, they have not been allowed to negotiate at all yet with the Republicans in the Senate. They have said that the GOP's $1 trillion proposal released on Thursday is a non-starter. So I'm not even going to bother to go into the details of that proposal right now because there's a still long way to go. We will pick that up at another time, I suspect. And all of this as Donald Trump is unleashing federal troops, secret police on the streets of America and promises to unleash his stormtroopers into uh, other uh, U.S. cities in the coming days. And now, yes, he is actually 
tear gassing the mayor of one of those cities. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back with that story and other fun news that I mentioned you should buckle up. Keep it buckled. All that and more straight ahead on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Yeah, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Before I get to the dark news out of uh, Portland today, uh, this also just breaking, Desi Doyen, from Fox News. A Fox News poll finding that Joe Biden tops Donald Trump in battlegrounds Michigan, Minnesota, and Pennsylvania. Really? Uh, yep. Uh, apparently uh, outside of the margin of error, I believe, in each state. So uh, let's see. Michigan looks like uh, he's up by nine points over Donald Trump. Minnesota has uh, Biden up by 13 points wow. in the presidential race over uh, Donald Trump, who is apparently underperforming his uh, 2016 performance in these polls. And in Pennsylvania, Biden is ahead of Trump by 11 points, according to Fox News. Of course, it's more than 100 days to the election. Many things can change, and voter suppression has not even started. Barely started. You're such a spoiler. <laughs> uh, Portland, Oregon Mayor Ted Wheeler choked on tear gas late on Wednesday as he stood outside the federal courthouse in downtown Portland, where federal agents set off explosives and fired chemicals into a crowd of hundreds. The Democratic mayor pressed a hand over his nose and mouth, already covered by a blue surgical mask as a thick cloud of gas surged towards him. He had strapped on lab goggles to protect his eyes, but still, the mayor said, his face burned, his eyes watered. It's, it's hard to breathe, he said. It's a little harder to breathe than I thought. Wheeler told the Washington Post while a man with a leaf blower turned the nozzle on the mayor to clear away any gas that was still hanging in the air around him. He said, this is abhorrent. This is beneath us. As he stood at the fence, uh, he was heckled and he was insulted. Some dem demonstrators called for his resignation. Others had been tear gassed by the Portland Police Bureau, which is headed up by that mayor over the past eight weeks. They shouted questions at the mayor. Like, how does that taste? Does it burn? How can you let your people get gassed out here every night? Wheeler came to the protest, he said, to stand with the protesters in the face of what he described as a, quote, occupying force. Federal agents who were deployed by Donald Trump to a city that the president has described as, quote, worse than Afghanistan. It isn't. Not by a long shot. In fact, I've heard from all sorts of folks in uh, Portland over the past few days. We've got a lot of listeners there that the protest 
uh, area is, in Portland is a few contained mostly to a, just a few downtown blocks, and that pretty much everywhere else in the city is fine, is peaceful, is quiet, pretty much as normal. But the media coverage of what is going on there is giving the impression to the rest of the country and apparently to the president of the United States that Portland is some sort of war zone right now. For days, Mayor Wheeler, uh, along with Oregon Governor Kate Brown, also a Democrat, and other state and local officials have demanded that Trump withdraw the surge of federal officers into the city where ongoing protests have continued nightly for more than 50 straight days in the wake of the killing of George Floyd in uh, Minneapolis. Nonetheless, little has changed. Videos of federal officers pelting protesters with munitions like rubber bullets and exploding pepper balls, shooting tear gas into city streets, launching stun grenades into the crowds that has captured millions of views on social media, It has incensed local lawmakers. The reason I'm here tonight is to stand with you no matter what, Wheeler said earlier in the night uh, before the gassing to a roar of cheers from the uh, from the crowd on the steps of the uh, Multnomah County Justice Center, where the county jail is located. He said, and if they launch the tear gas against you, they're launching the tear gas against me, which they did. But many in the crowd did not believe him. One young man shouted that uh, you're only staying here. You're only uh, saying that because CNN is here. The mayor's protest appearance comes amid a competitive reelection bid in the city that uh, hasn't had a two term mayor apparently since 2005. Wheeler is being challenged from the left by Sarah Iannarone. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Iannarone. Apologies if I'm wrong there. Uh, She has made police accountability a primary issue of her campaign. She has been tear gassed herself at recent rallies against police violence. Ayanna Roney had publicly challenged Wheeler to show up to these demonstrations. After he was hit with the gas, Wheeler said the experience made him rethink the city's allowance that Portland police can use gas on protesters once a riot is declared. He said, I don't think we should use these tools at all. It makes me think long and hard about whether this is really a viable tool. This is not a good option, he said. Yeah, thanks for noticing, Mr. Mayor. One man shouted, I've been out here for more than 50 nights. Ask me how many times I've been gassed. Frankly, I think that anyone who is allowed to use tear gas or order its use ought to be required to be sprayed with it at least once so that they can know what it is actually like. Maybe they might not be so fast to pull those triggers in that case. Wheeler tried to address Trump's recent pronouncement that he would be sending a huge surge of forces to other Democratic-led American cities to help combat crime, beginning with Chicago, apparently, and Albuquerque, but the crowd often shouted down the mayor, calling for his resignation. They wanted instead to talk about exactly what he was doing to get rid of the federal agents and asked about his dual role as mayor and police commissioner. So, yeah, he could order this tear gas to stop, at least when it comes from the Portland police, if not from the feds. Amanda Lundbaum, who is 36 years old, she attended the protest with her 16-year-old daughter. They stood off to the side as Wheeler took these questions from the crowd. 
she said he has a whole army of Portland police officers who could have uh, who he could have put out here keeping the citizens of this city safe while we are being brutalized by the feds. It's true. Others have called for Governor Kate Brown to call out the National Guard to face down these federal uh, stormtroopers in the city of Portland right now. So, yeah, we are on the precipice of a situation where we could see local police and or National Guard actually facing off with unidentifiable federal stormtroopers. Uh, Wheeler spoke to uh, press uh, as this was going on, answering questions. Play a little bit of this audio. It's kind of noisy, but I think you can I think you can uh, make out what he's saying and uh, certainly get a sense of the chaos and madness that was going on in Portland. I can tell you uh, with 100 percent honesty, I saw nothing that provoked this response. It's nasty stuff. I'm not afraid that I am pissed off. What are you pissed about? This, this, this is a egregious overreaction on the part of the federal officers. There was nothing that I saw in the video that warranted this reaction. This is not a de-escalation strategy. This is flat out urban warfare. And it's being brought on people of this country by the president of the United States. This is urban warfare being brought onto the people of this country, uh, of this city, by the president of the United States. So, yeah, I uh, I did advise you to buckle up, didn't I? Yes. Uh, the show? Yep. Steve Schmidt, the longtime Republican campaign consultant who served as John McCain's campaign manager, he tweeted in response to all of this today, Uh, with a lengthy but, uh, frankly, noteworthy uh, as usual thread. He said there is an urgent necessity for Congress and the media to investigate if there are any security contractors deployed alongside federal agents, quote, agents, thugs in any American city. He said there should be no opaqueness around this operation. Who are these men armed with M4s equipped with suppressors? This is not law enforcement. We are witnessing state-ordered violence being loosed on the city, uh, on the citizens of our constitutional republic. This is an outrage in a nation of the people, by the people, and for the people. The mission of these men is not to secure the peace. Their objective is to spread chaos and incite fear. This is Trump's rolling Reichstag fire. This is about one thing and one thing only. It is about his failing re-election campaign and his looming repudiation at the hands of the American people who have suffered terribly under his incompetence, malfeasance, ineptitude, and stupidity. 142,000 Americans are dead and more will soon join them. These are unnecessary deaths. Our fellow Americans have perished from the Trump virus that could have been controlled as it has been in every other advanced country. The American economy, he writes, is shattered and Trump is prepared to burn everything down. We have arrived at an hour of profound crisis in this country. Make no mistake about it, American liberty is under threat, siege and assault. Before the electoral repudiation of the Trump regime and its cowardly congressional enablers in 2018, 
Trump deployed the world's most powerful military force to the southern border to fight an imaginary caravan of desperate refugees and migrants. It was a type of performance porn for the right-wing media that serves as his propagandists. There were too few voices raised in alarm at that unprecedented action and the bundle of White House lies that surrounded it. The migrants were turned into some type of invading panzer division by right-wing media that now tries to tell us that unarmed moms, referring to the wall of moms who have been standing up bravely to these federal thugs in Portland, that unarmed moms are now a threat. The actions we are witnessing are an escalation from what has come before. The winking attorney general of the United States has assumed the role of America's first interior minister. In essence, he is America's first thug now, writes Steve Schmidt. Chad Wolf, the acting secretary of Homeland Security, is a former Hill staffer and lobbyist with no law enforcement background or training. He is as profoundly unqualified as Jared Kushner or Ivanka Trump for life and death responsibilities. He is utterly unconfirmable and has no business in his job. The men he commands are thuggish, violent and dangerous. They are untrained, illiberal and a dangerous force. This must be stopped. This is what Trumpistan looks like. 100 days from now, writes Steve Schmidt, we must end it forever. If we don't, we lose America. That's Steve Schmidt, former Republican uh, campaign consultant. Quick break. And we'll cheer everyone up with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. That's straight ahead on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. One of those days yes. when the Green News Report is the cheeriest thing <laughs> in the entire show. Never a good day, but always good to have the Green News Report. I want to get right to it because we've got a follow-up to one of the big stories in today's Green News Report. We're here today to announce the arrest of... Larry Householder, the Speaker of the House of the State of Ohio. Powerful Republican arrested on bribery charges in corrupt utility company conspiracy. Gonzalo breaks new record in already historic 2020 hurricane season. Global methane emissions hit record high. Plus, if my cow ain't farting, must be me. Burger King cuts the methane. Thank you, Your Highness. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Burger King's latest sustainability effort is to reduce cow farts. Here's a free tip. You want to make sure the cows fart less? Don't feed them Burger King. Also, that will be cannibalism. Unless you're going to feed them the actual king. This is your Green News Report.
Okay, Desi Doyen, huge story out of the Buckeye State this week concerning energy, utility companies, Republicans, and corruption. Indeed, stunning levels of corruption were exposed in the electric utility industry this week, and not only by Republicans. What? In Illinois, Commonwealth Edison, a subsidiary of U.S. energy giant Exelon, agreed to pay a $200 million fine in a deferred prosecution deal to settle charges in a long-running bribery scheme in which the utility admits to giving financial benefits Benefits to people close to a high-ranking state official in exchange for special preferential treatment in the state legislature. That official is widely assumed to be longtime Illinois Democratic House Speaker Michael Madigan, who has not been charged. Oops. But the really big utility bribery scandal this week was in Ohio, with the arrest of Ohio's Republican House Speaker Larry Householder. And four other defendants for racketeering in relation to what is likely the largest bribery, money laundering scheme ever perpetrated against the people of the state of Ohio. That was U.S. Attorney for Ohio David DeVillers, who announced Speaker Householder was charged with running a years-long $60 million bribery and money laundering scheme to pass a $1.5 billion law last year that forced consumers to bail out monopoly utility First Energy's unprofitable nuclear and coal plants, while also gutting the state's renewable energy industry. All in exchange for $61 million in dark money Money that Householder used to profit himself and elect Republican candidates to the Ohio State Legislature in 2018. So a huge scandal. Ratepayers were forced to pay more money, all to bail out some coal plants and a couple of nuclear plants, and yes, line the pockets of these Republicans. It was an extraordinary scheme. Finally, they broke it up, and I think there are going to be more arrests still to come. Yep, the sordid tale of greed, corruption, and self-dealing in Ohio combines monopoly utility power, regulatory capture, and unaccountable dark money in elections. So what else is new? In other news, another new record set in the already historic 2020 Atlantic hurricane season, newly named Gonzalo, now churning toward the Caribbean, fueled by near-record warm ocean waters, has broken the record for the earliest seventh-named tropical storm of the Atlantic hurricane. Season. While it's still too soon to know Gonzalo's trajectory, it is always a good idea for folks in hurricane-prone areas to get ready, since U.S. emergency response is now complicated by the coronavirus. And being forced into shelters during a global pandemic is not going to be a good idea. Nope. Global methane emissions have reached a new record high, rising 9% since the early 2000s. According to two new studies, the researchers found human activity responsible for more than half of all methane emissions, and those were primarily from agriculture, especially rice and cattle farming, but also coal mining, leaks from oil and gas drilling, and landfills. Because methane is a more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide on shorter timescales, the studies show that methane is a growing threat in the fight to slow man-made climate change. Finally, after the successful launch of its meat-free Impossible Burger, fast food giant Burger King has introduced its reduced methane whopper, claiming that adding lemongrass to cattle feed reduces up to 30 percent of climate warming methane emissions from cattle. They even rolled out a fun commercial with young viral video yodeler Mason Ramsey singing about cow farts. So to change emissions, Burger King went on a mission Testing diet, selling and produce their farts That's a start <laughs>
But scientists testing Burger King's claim found it only reduced methane 3%, not 30%. They note other feed additives would provide even greater methane reductions. And, of course, not eating meat at all would provide the most. Yes, it would. Either way, I'm grateful to His Majesty for even trying. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Yep. See, that did cheer me up. Yeah. Uh, the follow-up, I promise, is on that huge story out of Ohio. Uh, the arrest of the uh, House Speaker there, uh, Republican House Speaker Larry Householder, and that huge scandal, $61 million racketeering bribery case. It has gotten, that Ohio story has gotten like no coverage because of Everything else going on in this country, despite the fact that this is a huge story for Ohio and potentially for the nation, because I suspect this could have an effect on the presidential race in just a couple of months because you got all of these Republicans tied up in this. Well, the company that was putting in all of these payments to pay off a householder. Uh, First Energy, they have seen shares of their company has now uh, plummeted some 33 percent since the news of this Ohio scandal broke. According to Utility Dive, that's an industry news outlet. Uh, I don't know if they're are they pro industry. Uh, they're just they're uh, just the facts, ma'am. Yeah. Industry outlet. They do ha- ha- half a dozen financial analysts have now downgraded First Energy, and a dozen nationally ranked investor oriented law firms have announced intentions to file class actions against the company. Mind you, no one yet from the company was arrested. This was all the the politicians and the advisors and and uh, campaign people and so forth. Investor angst spread to Energy Harbor Corporation. That's the company that emerged from the bankruptcy reorganization of First uh, Energy's uh, subsidiary. Their stocks also fell about a third since the scandal broke. Energy Harbor owns and operates First Energy's former two northern Ohio nuclear reactors according to Utility Dive, which they sold amidst all of this after the corrupt bailout measure was approved by Ohio by the lawmakers. Well, the company is still in line to receive up to one and a half billion dollars over six years in new ratepayer charges created by the Ohio lawmakers as this corrupt bill was being jammed through the legislature last year at this time. HB6, that law is still on the books after it was passed and then quickly signed by the governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, in July of last year. Over the objections of many of his constituents, including big business. Yeah, this bill was not popular with anyone, anybody. Except, of course, the folks who benefit. Who are getting payoffs from yeah. it, yeah. The turmoil comes just days before First Energy is set to release its second quarter earnings results and to take questions from an analysts in a public meeting. Well, that should be a fun conference call. First Energy has now said in a release that it had received a federal subpoena and would fully comply with authorities. 
So maybe they are now looking at uh, First Energy. But one of the points I wanted to get to uh, that, well, I don't have much time for it, but this is being reported as, uh, you know, focusing on the two nuclear plants that were uh, owned by First Energy. But in fact, there was two nuclear plants and there was two old hyper polluting coal plants that were owned by the Ohio Valley Electric Corporation that were also bailed out. The OVEC is a collective of several large utilities, including First Energy. So uh, the bailouts here, which you know actually cost Ohio ratepayers more money on their monthly utility bills than for the coal plants than for the two nuclear plants, but everybody keeps only referring to the nuclear plants for some reason. Yeah, it's Why weird. Is that? You are not the only person who noticed that. Pretty much everyone I follow on Energy Twitter said the same thing. Why are they focusing only on the nukes and not on the coal plants and the gutting of renewable energy in Ohio? Yeah. I, I mean, I, ha- I have a feeling it's because the way that the uh, bill HB6 was framed in those TV spots that was bought with all of this dirty money uh, was because they referred to the bill as supporting clean energy for Ohio. In this case, clean energy uh, that they were referring to was nuclear plants, which can only be considered clean, I guess, if you don't consider the tons of undisposable nuclear waste that stays toxic for thousands of years and has nowhere to be stored. But hey, you know, if it, it doesn't spit out global warming greenhouse gases, so I guess that's considered clean energy by some. But the commercials talked about the bill being uh, needed to help uh, clean energy in Ohio and that it was a battle between big oil and Ohio. With big oil, I guess, uh, you know, the owners of natural gas. Uh, right. So they're trying to plants. protect natural gas. Yeah. So a lot of misreporting. We'll have to get into this in another day because this is unbelievably dirty in so many ways. I'm glad these guys have uh, been nabbed, at least householder. But frankly, I think some questions need to be asked of Governor Mike DeWine in Ohio. Yep. As I say, we'll come back to that at another time. Got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doy, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of this thrilling broadcast or any other, you can download it for free anytime at bradblog.com or your favorite podcast site. That is thanks to those of you who support our work by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you wish. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. We'll see you here. See you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.